We have a new partner to the podcast, Luminate Advertising. They're an award-winning advertising and marketing firm, and their brand research director, Mary Tilger, is a personal friend of mine, and I encourage you to contact Luminate Advertising just to make your company shine if you need any graphic design, copywriting, printing, radio spots, trade show displays, digital marketing, promotional products. Everyone wants to represent their company just a professional manner, so call Mary. She has a great marketing ear. She can help you out. Her phone number is 303-460-8703. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, guiding leaders to higher ground. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast, and we have a special guest today, Tommy Spaulding. Tommy, welcome to the show. Good morning, folks. Good morning, John. Now, Tommy, you've been on before, and this is kind of a special episode for us. We were we just found out yesterday that we were highlighted in Inc. Magazine as the top one of the top twelve podcasts to listen to to make you a better leader. And I honestly couldn't think of a better way to celebrate Tommy than to having you on because everything that you do, you teach, your heart is so in alignment with everything that we're sharing on this podcast what we're trying to do to equip uh, others in their lives. And hey, I'll just apologize right now for my voice, everybody. I'm just getting over laryngitis. So here's the good news. You're going to help. You're going to get to hear Tommy speak a little bit extra today. So Tommy, I would love to start out because, you know, the, the book that you have, the work that you're doing right now, The Heart Led Leader, right? And maybe just start and, and just share with us, Does what does leading from your heart even look like for people out there that are really you know, they're focused on, you know, making a bigger impact, having more influence, you know, living their life. So the use of their life outlives their life. That is really the heart of everybody who's a part of this community. Well, John, first of all, thanks for having me and congratulations on your success and your ratings of your podcast. I'm, I'm not surprised. I hope your ratings don't go down after my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, you know, Servant leadership has been around for 2,000 years since Jesus, and um, so many books on servant leadership. And heart of leadership just takes a different take. It really merges love and results are two sides of the same coin. And I don't think there's a servant leadership book or a thought leader that's, that's connecting those two. It's, servant leadership has always been connected to, you know, it's good for culture. It's good for employee relations. It's good for relationships with customers, but does it really affect the bottom line? I mean, does it really drive results? And I believe it does. And uh, the companies that I showcased in my book, The Heart Led Leader, that took the 18-inch journey from the head to the heart, uh, achieved unprecedented results because they built the culture of people leading from their heart. And that sets up your main question is, what is leading from the heart? And that is leading with an authentic, genuine, humble, vulnerable heart. And those four qualities, John, were seen as soft 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. You know, leaders had all the answers. They weren't vulnerable. They, if you didn't know the answer, they made it up. Um, they, were, they were never humble. They came from a place of, of confidence and arrogance. You want to follow the smartest guy in the room, the most confident person in the room. But 
today's world, um, people want to follow people that are authentic and genuine and humble and real. And they would do anything for because they know that they have love in their hearts for other people, not them, just themselves. Well, you know what you're talking about? What you just said right there, too, is our generation, Tommy, Gen Xers and baby boomers, I don't think we need to change our leadership, you know, our core principles, but we have to change the way that we lead. And when you're talking about bringing out the potential in an organization, especially connecting with this millennial generation and just tapping into their amazing energy and creativity and value, you just gave everybody the answer, in my opinion. You know, millennials have, have humbled us as a generation. Um, we always tease the millennials. You know, they don't mm -hmm. work as hard. They're always texting. They're, they're ADD. Uh, you know, they're always you know, online. They're not relational. And, you know, some of those may be true if you generalize the millennials. But millennials are also very truthful. And they don't work, with, they don't work for jerks. They won't work for a jerk. They won't work for someone that's self-centered. They won't work for a company that's just money-oriented. They want to have passion. They want to believe in who they work for, not just what they work for, but who they work for. And they've taught us a lot about we need to change the way we lead people. Now, um, you know, before we dive in here, because you, you brought up servant leadership, and there's been so many books on servant leadership and seminars on servant leadership, but I know you're getting real results I mean, real results, both internally, but also measurable, concrete, external results. So what is really the difference between this kind of this whole body of work on servant leadership and what you're doing now? What's in your book, The Heart-Led Leader, Tommy? Yeah. So first of all, we, we have to, to talk about an important word, and that's love. And John, love has been a word that's often not used in the business world. And, um, and when it is used in the business world, it's, it's soft. It's not connected to the bottom line results. And, you know, if you look up the word love in the dictionary, it, it doesn't say not applicable Monday through Friday, nine to five. My good friend Steve Farber taught me that. It, it, it's meant to be in the workplace. And for 200 years, John, we've brought our heads to work. We were strategic. We were hardworking. We were analytical. We were thinkers. We were visionaries. We were articulate, all from our head. The smartest person in the room often got the leadership post. But that is absolutely shifted. I mean, absolutely shifted. The leaders of organizations that are truly making an impact, whether it's a university, a nonprofit, a school, or a corporate 500, Fortune 500 company, they're leading differently. They're leading from the heart. They're leading with servant leadership with love. And love is not something you say. That's the major shift that I want your readers to understand is you never have to say the word love. You have to show the word love. That's the difference. You have to serve. You have to honor. You have to listen. You have to care for. You have to get on your knees and wash the feet of your people. And when you have that genuine, humble heart to genuinely serve other people, your customers will want to remain loyal. Your clients will never leave you. Your employees will do anything for you because they know you have this genuine, humble, servant heart. But John, let me be really clear about love. Love and results. I wrote a whole book about those two words, love and results. Servant leaders aren't soft. 
in the books that I wrote, I picked 18 companies. We'll talk about some of them today. These are tough, tough cookies that are leading Fortune 500 big companies. I've talked about some of them. They're not soft. They're absolutely tough on holding people accountable. So you can be a servant leader and expect and demand results, but with love in your heart. And when you do this in in an exceptional way, lead with with, with love in your heart, bring servant leadership, heart leadership to your organization, you will have better results. And tell me, what does that look like? The distance between your head and your heart is 18 inches. I actually called doctors and said, what's the average you know, distance between the human head, human skull, and a, and a human heart? It's 18 inches. And heart-led leaders that truly know how to lead with the heart know how to connect the head and the heart. So you're not just bringing your head to work, you're bringing your heart to work. And those 18 inches represent 18 different qualities that I wrote about in my book of love and humility and transparency and, and empathy and vulnerability, these 18 traits that you have to bring to work to have that. But what heart-led leadership looks like is four words. And if you can understand these four words, matter of fact, if I can give a speech to 20,000 people about leadership, I just have to say four words and get off the stage. If you can understand these four words, you understand heart-led leadership. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about your customer. It's about your client. It's about your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, your employees, your assistant, your donors your investors, your board members, your neighbors, it's all about other people. And the, the, the reality, John, is that most of us are, are selfish. Even the good people, you, know, you kind of think about your own needs, but there are only two types of leaders in the world and you don't get to pick which one you are. That's the secret. You think you can say, I wanna be a heart-led leader. No, you don't, you can say that, but people label you as a heart-led leader. Your people will tell you what you are, not yourself. Anyone that says, I'm a heart-led leader, probably isn't. Your people (laughs) label you. There's two types of leaders. There are self-serving leaders and servant leaders. There's self-serving people that serve themselves first, and then there's servant leaders. And John, there's no executive that goes to work every day and say, damn it, I'm a self-serving leader. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to serve myself the best. No one proclaims that. But when you do surveys, and you interview people and their customers and their employees and the people that follow them, what kind of leader do you follow? You know, they will say he's a self-serving leader. And I go through many companies that were led by self-serving leaders that we replaced by servant leaders, heart-led leaders, and the results were staggering. You know, the, you know, the culture, you know, the popular kind of group thing, which I'm not a fan of, but in the culture is that this is very counterintuitive what you're talking about, Tommy, that if I truly put everybody else's needs ahead of my own, I'm, I'm personally not going to get ahead. And, and you and I both know the truth there, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about you know, that, that um, idea that some people might have. Yeah. I, my first book I wrote called It's, it's Not Just Who You Know. I, I wrote half the book about this whole subject, about serving and giving and pouring into relationship instead of taking out of relationship. And I talked about networking, you know, meeting people, you know, when you're, when you, when you have a position of of influence, you're out in the community, you're meeting people to bring into your organization, right? To hire into your organization, clients, customers, and you were, were programmed to network. 
and I, I say in the book, and I'll say now, that networking is the evil empire. Networking is the most selfish act of all mankind. Because what is it, John? What is truly networking? To help people to do what? To help who? Us. You. You know, to, to meet people. You want to meet people, connect with people to help your organization, your, your job, your company. And I just think it's counterintuitive, but have a heart of net giving. Net giving is the same thing as networking. You're still out there meeting people, bringing in clients, building relationships with people that could be potential employees and so forth. But instead of networking, working for yourself, you're net giving, meaning you're giving to others. So when you're building relationships with people, you're not just throwing your products and services down their throat. You're asking meaningful questions like, tell me about your family. Tell me about yourself. What are your opportunities? What are you going through now? I mean, really generally having a heart to learn about people's story and how you can help serve them. And then when you help serve them beyond your product and service, and people see that you're actually generally trying to make their lives better, their marriages better, their relationships with their children better, their companies better, they want to give you your business because they know you generally care. And there's only one caveat. You can't fake this. You can't be manipulative. It has to come from a genuine place. And people can smell inauthentic, manipulative people. So you have to go into business every day saying, who can I serve? How can I dive deeper with the people that follow me? How can I serve my customers and clients even more? So they see this genuine heart and they want to follow it. You know, are, as people, you know, want to move toward being a heart-led leader, and, you know, you talked before about a level of authenticity and vulnerability. You know, are, are there some aspects of moving in this direction that, you know, people struggle with? Yeah. So vulnerability is, a, is, is, is powerful because when, when you're vulnerable, you, you, you build trust because when you share your story, People, people see that you're human, and then they want to share their story. John, if I can just tell a really quick story. I, I used to coach a woman named Jody Rowland. She's the president of Bank of America. She's managing of, of, uh, of the Mountain Region. She's managing director of Merrill Lynch, one of four executives that run Merrill Lynch nationwide. I mean, she's got about 80,000 people under her organization. Very powerful woman. Probably one of the highest level females in all of the financial services industry. Um, she's a, a dear friend. I've spoken to Merrill Lynch and Bank of America many times. And as I got to know her and her story, I was amazed. And about four years ago, I went to Jody. I said, Jody, you're one of the most top, top five most powerful females in the financial services business in the world or in, in the country. And um, you, you're, you're incredibly successful. And, you know, I've spoken at your national conference now. I've seen you speak in front of your people many times now. And they all respect you. They respect you, that, that you've come so far and you're an incredible leader and you're driving results. But they don't love you. Then there's a difference. They could respect you but not love you. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, the reason why they don't love you is they don't know your story. Jody, we've been friends for two years now. I love your husband. I know your boys. I know your heart. I know your story. Why don't you share your story with your people? What you've overcome in your life? What, what shaped how you became who you are? And I'll never forget, she said, Tommy, that's ridiculous. I would never share my story with my people. Because first they'd think I was weak. And if I cried, I'd be just another weak female that cried on the podium. 
And in the financial services, you don't share that kind of stuff. And I said, Jody, you're wrong. You have such a beautiful story. If you share your story, your people will follow you. Your people will see you as human. They won't just respect you because of the results that you drive. They'll love you because they'll know you're humble and genuine and you're vulnerable. And so I challenged her. I guarantee your, your stock will double. Your, your, your results will double if you do this. And so she got up on stage. I was there, John. It was one of the freaking most unbelievable things I've ever seen. This woman get up on stage and talk about having an alcoholic father, growing up in a very poor, rural town in upstate Minnesota, raised by a single mom, had nightmares as a little girl, so she used to sleep with her mom up until she was seven years old. And one day when she was seven years old and she would sleep in her mom, she woke up in the morning to go to school and her mom didn't wake up, had a massive heart attack and died. Mm. That's where the story begins. And just what she went through, putting herself through school, first one to go to college, working three or four jobs to get through community college to college. And, you know, and then she got married. She wanted to have a big family. She wanted to get pregnant. She didn't have one miscarriage, John, or two, or three, or four miscarriages, or five miscarriages, or six, or seven. She had eight miscarriages before she got pregnant. I mean, this woman's story of what she overcame in her life is unbelievable. I watched her tell her people. There were thousands of people in the room. There wasn't a dry eye. If you ask Jody, when did her company really turn around? When did she start driving results that were unprecedented? She will tell you the day I got up on stage and shared my story with my people. Because what has happened is they started not only respect her, they started to love her because they saw her as real, as human, as vulnerable. And what that did was vulnerability is contagious, John. Right. When you're vulnerable and open, then they started being open. She challenged people. You have to know each other's story. You have to know your client's story. If clients are going to invest their tens of thousands of millions of dollars into Merrill Lynch and Bank of America, they got to trust us. We can't just have the best product. We have to, be have, to have the best people. And so share your story with your clients and hear their story. So if you listen to American television, I know you have an international uh, clients on your, on your phone, but if you hear Merrill Lynch's and Bank of America's tagline, you know what it is? Everybody has a story. We want to hear yours. Where do you think that came from, John? They, they are now in the business of hearing the stories of their clients. It's unbelievable how that company's turned around because one person got up on stage and said, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you about waking up and when my mom didn't and how I felt and what I went through. Let me tell you about eight miscarriages. What's that like? When you're vulnerable with your people, they will follow you to all ends because they know you have a story. And then you have to listen and find out the stories of others. That's what heart-led leaders do. They find out the stories of all the people that follow them. And they know it. And people follow them because they know the person they're following cares. And thank you for sharing that. Now, now, as a leader, and somebody goes out and they shares their story, and, and as other people start to become vulnerable and share more in a culture, in an organization, what do you do to build on that, to just create an even stronger culture, better relationships? Because one of the things that we teach through our coaching and all the work that we do is what we call intense vulnerability 
because you're right, it's one of the most powerful powerful things that we can do as a leader, and I agree with you. Yeah. Well, first, I just want to make sure if there's any naysayers on the phone. This isn't like going to work and sharing all your dark secrets of, of, of tax evasions and affairs. This isn't like sharing your, your dark secrets. This is just talking about what makes you tick, what you're overcoming. You know, maybe you got a son that's got Down syndrome or just overcame a drug addiction, or maybe you're going through a marriage problem. Maybe you're dyslexic and you failed out of school and you have, you know, learned disability, whatever your, your story is, it's sharing that. But really, it's just modeling it. That's how you strengthen it in your culture is really modeling it and then, you know, in, encouraging your direct reports to model it to their direct reports and bring it down to the organization. But vulnerability is just a piece. You got to follow up with the servant leadership, you know, the the follow-up of if someone's vulnerable and says, um, you know, I'm really going through this, you know, this thing, I, I, I got cancer or something, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going through this right now. If someone's vulnerable enough to follow up with that or, or something like, you know, I've been married 50 years. We had a tough 50 years, but we're married. We're going on a cruise September 15th. Well, the first thing I do is go on my calendar on September 15th, and I write down Johnny going on a cruise with, with, with Sheila, and I put in my notes on morning of, I say, hey, happy anniversary, know you're going on a cruise, praying for you, hope you have a wonderful vacation. You know, when someone's got uh, cancer, when's your chemo treatment? When's your first, when's your surgery? One of your chemo treatments, I put it on my calendar, and every morning there's treatment, I call them or text them or email them or write them a letter. You gotta pour into people, and, and this takes time. People are so busy with work and emails and contacts and, and meetings, they forget to pour into people. And when you pour into people, people start pouring into you. Yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're talking about, you know, in relationships, you have to truly connect with somebody before you can pull, before you can really influence them, right? And that's what you're talking about doing. And, you know, this makes me think of a concept. A lot of people talk about kind of the what of leadership, but you're really talking about the who you are as a leader. Is that right? Yes. The who is, is so important. Um, you know, we, we read Simon Sinek, you know, the, you know, start with why, yeah. you know, we're always talking about the, the what you got to know what you are and all that. But I, I actually think it's who you are. Yeah. You know, Agreed. people want to buy their insurance from someone, not because of what fancy insurance company or fancy insurance building they come from is who they're buying it from. It's, it's who you are, right? And, and you know who my insurance person is, Jerry yeah. Middle, you know, it's a friend of yours. This is a guy that poured into me, that loved me, that witnessed God to me, that mentored me, that taught me what kind of husband I should be, what kind of father I should be. Hell, he co-signed my mortgage payment for the first house I bought when I got married. I mean, my Jerry Middle, my insurance agent has changed my life. Oh, and I happened to buy insurance from him. So he invested in me and built a lifelong friendship. And he invested in my heart. And once he won my heart, he won my business. You think I'll ever leave Jerry Middle for my insurance needs? And never. He never asked you to be Ever. He never asked me. He? Finally, I said, Jerry, what kind of insurance do you sell? I need disability. I need life insurance. What else do I need? Annuities. I, he's got it all. And I've had every friend trying to win my business, and I would never, ever leave Jerry, even if he's twice as much. 
I mean, picture that. I would never leave Jerry, even if his fees are twice as much. Let's say aren't, but even if they were, I would never leave him because he invested in me so deeply. What if you manage a sales team? What if you taught your sales team to invest in your people so deeply that they would never leave you? They would follow you because of the who, because of who you are. Well, you know, there was, a, there was a report that uh, somebody just forwarded me that 83% of millennials right now, Tommy, are actively thinking about finding another place to work. I don't know how many will, but people don't quit a culture, a company, an organization. You know, they quit they do, a person. They quit a person, absolutely. Amen to that. <laughs> can, can you say that again? People don't quit jobs. Yeah. They don't quit cultures. They don't quit titles. They don't quit roles. They don't quit responsibilities. They quit people. And that's what heartland leaders understand. You know, Cheryl Botchladder, she's the CEO mm, of Popeyes. Yeah, greatly. It's just an incredible story. I mean, I think one of the top five heart-led leaders in the world. By the way, um, the parent company at Burger King just bought Popeyes two weeks ago for $1.8 billion, right? But 60 years ago, Popeyes was nearly bankrupt. I mean, that company was worth practically nothing. I mean, it, the stock dropped for like $60 a share to $12.50 a share. They had declining sales, no same-store sales. Like 80 or 90% of the restaurants worldwide need to be remodeled. They had like more lawsuits between franchisees and franchisor. There was a lot of pissed-off people working at Popeyes. They hated the corporate. There was no trust. I mean, it was a disaster. Yeah, they had the I mean, lowest I, stock price of anybody in fast food. The, and you know what? They're, they have one of the highest now. Yep. They, she grew that company 400% in six years. 400%. She wrote a whole book about it, Dare to, Dare to Care or Dare to Serve. Um, but she did it through serving leadership. I interviewed her for my book, The Heartland Leader, wrote a whole chapter about her. And I asked her, Cheryl, how'd you do it? She said, with love. Never had to say the word. And, then I, and, and I smiled because if you met Cheryl, she, she is a wonderful woman. But a pedigree of a Fortune 500 company, you know, Ivy League educated, she can eat you for freaking lunch. She's a tough cookie. You don't mess with Cheryl. I mean, she does smile when she, when she says hello to you, but she's a tough cookie. So people often think hard-led leaders are soft. She ain't soft. She demands results from her people. But here's what she did. She went to her people and said, our culture is broken and we're not putting our people first. So I'm gonna model this. As the CEO of this company with 45,000 employees and 2,000 plus restaurants all over the world, I'm gonna spend a third, that's 33.3% of my time, mentoring, coaching, loving, blessing my eight direct reports. Now, what CEO in the world that's got 45,000 employees or 45 employees spends a third of their time mentoring, blessing, serving, lifting, coaching, encouraging their direct reports? But she felt that she did that, she would win their trust, that she would, that she would have a relationship of love. And then the only thing she did is she asked those eight direct reports to do the same thing with their direct reports. And the same thing with Dirdre, all the way down to 45,000 people, all the way down to the front of the line, they poured into their people. That was the secret. 
they built incredible trust with all their franchisees. They went to all of them and said, we know there's no trust. We know there's lawsuits. We know we've made mistakes. What do we need to do to fix it? And she listened. You know, she remodeled 80% of those restaurants and she got rid of 98% of all those lawsuits. One person, John, one person going to work and saying, I'm going to lead differently. I'm going to change the culture of my organization. And because so, six years later, she just sold her company for $1.8 billion. And she's one of the greatest heart-led leaders in the world because she understands that love and results are two sides of the same coin. She understands that servant leadership is not just a touchy-feely proposition, that it's a cultural revolution, this heart revolution, bringing heart to work, letting people know you care. It's it's revolutionary, and she understands that better than anyone I know. So, Tommy, how does somebody balance kind of that, you know, the 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 steel and the velvet, like you're talking about, like Cheryl did so well? You know, just because you have love in your heart at work doesn't mean you're tough. And sometimes when you love people, you coach them out. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you care enough about someone, you say, this is not a fit. You're not hitting the results. You need to move on. Coach them out. I mean, great leaders coach people up and out. Those are the two places, up or out. And people think out just means firing them. Well, when you're not a heartless leader, you just fire them with malice. Here's your severance. But when you coach with love, you coach them out and you help them with that next move. And you just have this philosophy. You coach people up or out. And you do it with love. And if you truly love people, you'll help them get out when they're not hitting their results that they need to hit. Well, I think that's an important point. Um, you know, you always have to be, you know, to really serve people. That's how we define leadership um, is you got to cast vision. You serve your people. You teach, train, equip, empower them. Then you let them go to, you know, to, to use what you've sowed into them so they can do it on their own. And then you're constantly evaluating whether they're, part of that core team or their talents are better used somewhere else. And yeah. in that area of, you know, that human relationship. So, you know, it's what you're talking about is the boss becoming more than a boss, aren't you? And, and I know you got so many great stories. So think about people out there right now, you know, a large part of our audience are, you know, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, they're working with, from small teams, you know, just getting started to large public companies. What do you think, you know, just one or two things that they can do, you know, some practical steps to start creating this kind of, you know, relationships, work environment, culture that you're talking about? Yeah. I just spent three days. I just got back two days ago at a lead, a lead like Jesus conference. You know, my books and my speeches all over the world um, are all secular. I mean, I love Jews, I love Muslims, I love atheists, I love Christians, I love them all. That's, the, that's my heart. That's where my heart is, John. All my youth programs, all my retreats, all my leadership, all my books, blogs, everything I do to touch the world is about all people. Black, white, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. I love all people. So people that don't have Jesus as their savior, as their, as their spiritual uh, you know, savior, I still want you to listen. Because Jesus Christ did live. Every Muslim, every Buddhist, every uh, atheist still agrees that he lived. He, he might not be the Lord and Savior, as we believe. He, 
It might be in other people's eyes, a prophet or a teacher or a rabbi, right? So if you study Jesus, why did he come down on, on earth, right? I mean, he, he, if we look at Jesus as a spiritual person, but I challenge people all listening in this call, whether you believe in him or not, look at him as a person. Look at him as a leadership role model. Because I believe, whether you believe in him not as a spiritual model, I think Jesus Christ is the greatest leadership role model. Whether you're a Muslim, Jew, atheist, or Christian, you, could, you can wrap your arms around that because Jesus was the first one to say love. First one to say love your neighbor, love your enemy, love your customers, love your board members. And he didn't say those words, but he taught us to love and serve. He got down on his knees and washed the feet of his people. He was all about love. But he also was demanding. People don't know this, how firm and how much demands and, and the level that he expected his people that followed him to be. Right? So he was flesh. He was a great leader. And so if you're running a small organization with 40 people or a large organization with 45,000 people, people always ask me, what do I need to do? The first thing you do is change yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you do. Leadership is about the leader. Leadership is about the leader. Who are you? What kind of person are you? Are you authentic, genuine, real? When people meet you, people say, that's a real person. That person's been through the, the trenches. That person's got a heart for other people. It's not about himself. He's not about herself. He generally, or her, she generally cares. You got to change yourself because you could put lipstick on a pig, but you're still a pig if, you're, if you come to work every day not with those four words in your pocket. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about others. You have to shift your heart about others. And when you do that, people start seeing it and then they want to emulate it. And it's a cultural revolution. And it doesn't have to start from the top, by the way. Just people listen to this call that are five steps down from the CEO or a hundred steps down. Anyone in any organization can say, I'm going to take heart of the leadership to the workplace. I'm going to change my heart. I'm going to start serving and loving people. I'm going to start serving and loving the people that report to me, that follow me, that buy for me, that, 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 that are clients of mine. I've got to change my own heart. That's the first step, John. In, in, you, know, part, you know, you wrap up your book and you talk about leaving a heart print in the world. And- you know, a big part of what we're focused on here is, you know, creating that legacy, you know, having your, you know, our lives outlive our lives. You know, you know my story with my accident and I look at everything I'm doing now as just this gift of this amazing, beautiful second chance. I've been given to do everything differently and right. it's been an amazing journey for me. And what does that look like, Tommy? You think in the bigger picture of things, as you make these changes, yeah. the ripple well, effect that this can yeah. have. Yeah, I know exactly what it looks like. We, we are programmed at work to leave our thumbprint behind. You know, we talk about the man going in the mood and we left our footprint behind, right? What we want to do is leave our heart print behind. You know, by mentoring people in our organizations to really help people get successful in their career, not being threatened by other people, but helping other people become successful. That's a hard thing to do. But when a leader has self-confidence and a leader truly believes in themselves, 
their greatest legacy is not just the bottom line results they provide their organization, it's the people they bring up, the people they mentor. But let's leave the corporate world for a second and talk about the heart prints you can have in the community. I closed my book with a story about a nanny that we hired that had tattoos all over her body and high school dropout, never went to college, tough as nails, Nikki, I mean, she was, you know, she's a street girl, right? Most people would meet her and think she's from the hood, right? And we hired her as our nanny. She lived with our family for three years and she changed my life, changed my heart, became a daughter to me. I don't see her tattoos anymore. I see her heart. And when she gets married, I'm going to be walking her down the aisle as her father. I mean, it's a beautiful story that I just summarized in a couple of words, but she taught me, Nikki, that it's, it's the relationships we have. It's not just about our spouses and our children. We're supposed to love our spouses and our children, and we're called to do that. But when you love people outside your family and you bring people inside your family and treat them like family, uh, that's powerful. I, I, I always tell people the greatest litmus test is this. We spend so much of our lives just trying to get on other people's Christmas card list. But what we really should do is we should spend our lives trying to get invited to people's Christmas dinner. You know, there's a difference about being on your Christmas card list versus I love this person so much I want them to be with my family on Christmas Day. That's what we should strive for, to go deep with people, not just get on their Christmas card list, but to go deep with people where they want to celebrate the most important day with their family because they love you. And you can't have that with everybody, but you can have that with more than just a handful of people outside your family. And heart-led leaders get that because they wake up every morning saying, Lord, it's not about me. It's about others. You know, and as we wrap up, Tommy, you know, what are just some final thoughts you'd really like to just leave with people listening in all over the world? Anyone can do this. You don't need a title. You don't need a position. You don't need money. You just need a heart. And you could actually change it. I mean, I've seen it. I, 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 prison wards and high school principals and Every walk of life professions have shared their story with me and shared that when you leave from this place of love and you connect the head and the heart and you bring this to the workplace, it's, it's revolutionary. And um, it's not just for work, it's not just for results and it's not just for driving results, it's also better for your marriage. I mean, my wife, John, loves when I get down on my knees and say I'm sorry, when I'm humble and I'm real. She loves that. She loves it far more when I'm arrogant and have ego. Um, and my kids love it too. And so it's not just about making money at work and building a culture of results. It's also changing your family because of how you lead. Um, I was uh, in Memphis this weekend at this Lead Like Jesus event, and I just wrote a blog about this, but this guy named Ken Wilson, he's the son of the founder of the Holiday Inns, Kevin Wilson, founded the Holiday Inns hotels in the 1950s, and his son now, runs the family, um, you know, empire business with his brothers. And, and um, he was having dinner with Jill and I, and he said he got this, this Father's Day car from her, you know, his, his daughter. He's got five grown kids now. They're all married now, so he's a kind of a grandpa. And he was sharing with us that he got this, kid, this, Chris, this um, Father's Day card uh, years ago from, from, from his daughter that really made an impact on him. 
I said, well, what did it say, Ken? She, well, she'd opened the card and she wrote in all these, you know, beautiful words, but why she loved me as a, as a daddy, all the things I'd do for her. And then she said, you know, love Catherine. And then she wrote, P.S. I've been watching you my whole life. And when he heard those words, it just really sat to him that it wasn't his words, it's his actions. You don't have to say the word, I love you at the workplace, but you have to show it. The people that follow you, they're watching you. Your daughter, your son, your wife, your husband, people will watch you. If you are a leader, people are going to watch you. And do your actions reflect your heart? And that's what heart leaders get. They get that better than anyone. Thank you, John. Thank you. And so, you know, my big takeaway here, Tommy, you know, it's all about who you are. And I also think, you know, getting around people like Tommy talked about, um, sewing into people and having relationships of other people that want, that are on this exact same journey for me has been so powerful. Um, because you know what else we also need, cause we're all going to make mistakes as we, is we really work in this area of being a heart led leader and having people that can sow into our life and tell us the truth about what we're doing or how we're coming across is, uh, for me has been just a huge part of, you know, doing this as well as I can. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, how do people get in touch with you, Tommy? You know, anybody out there that, that I've, I've been there, I've heard you speak a number of times. Every time it's powerful, it's moving, it's meaningful. There's just incredible, actionable, you know, nuggets that you share with everybody. So how do people, you know, get in touch with you or learn more about what you're doing? Sure. Um, my website is Tommy Spalding, S is in Sam, P as in Paul, A-U-L-D-I-N-G.com. Um, I've written two books. They can, you know, Amazon or any bookstore. But um, I'm really passionate about youth. And I've started the National Leadership Academy, which is nationalleadershipacademy.org. And well, my the global... son went to that, and it, it was yeah. one of his best experiences he's ever had. And <laughs> Thank he you, John. loves it. And we, we basically teach kids about love. We teach kids about serving leadership. And I have a program called the Global Youth Leadership Academy, globalyouthleadershipacademy.com. And that's where we take 40 kids every year abroad. We've taken Ethiopia, Cuba, Europe. We're going to Italy this year, and we dive deep into servant leadership. And we sightsee, and we see great places around the, around the world, but we really dive into what love is and what self-confidence does. And, and when you bless and serve others, how that changes your heart. And so I've been doing this for 18 years, working with kids. And um, you know, I speak to companies all over uh, the world just really about culture and heart-led leadership and relationships with people and how you can drive results from that. But um, it's really been an honor on your show. And I, I remember when you first started this podcast, you had just a little following. And then you have, you know, 25,000, 30,000 people around the world listening to you every month. It's because of your heart, John, and your story and your authentic heart and what you want to do to the world. And I appreciate you inviting me to be a part of your podcast and really proud of your success. Well, thank you, buddy. You've always, you know, I'm just trying to keep pace with you know men and women in the world like you and i appreciate your always being an encourager it's always meant a lot yeah thanks so much
All right, my friend. Well, appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time, Tommy. You're awesome. People definitely connect in, touch in with Tommy. And uh, look forward to uh, talking to you all next week. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. John and I can't recommend the team highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us. Episodes 4 and 66, marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.